0: From 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Lake Effect. I'm Joy Powers. After a decade of leading MATC, President Vicki Martin is stepping down. Today we'll look back at her time leading the school and what she hopes is her legacy. Then we'll learn about some haunted parks and cemeteries in Milwaukee to get you in the Halloween spirit.
1: So the stories are all about the lion bridge and people talk about walking across the lion bridge even on a sultry summer day and feeling cold stuff
0: plus we'll hear some new songs from local musicians in this month's milwaukee music roundup and look at how the scene has bounced back since the pandemic all of that is coming up on lake effect but first here are today's headlines This is Lake Effect from 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. I'm Joy Powers, and thank you so much for joining us. Milwaukee Area Technical College's longtime president is stepping down. Vicki Martin announced she'll retire after this school year. During Martin's 10 years as MATC president, the school added scholarships for students and worked to make higher education more accessible but MATC's graduation rate in 2021 was just 18 percent, highlighting the hurdles students there face to finish their degrees. WUWM education reporter Emily Files spoke with Martin about the challenges and joys
2: of leading MATC as he prepares to retire. Tell me about the decision to retire. Why was now the right time for you?
3: Yes. Well, I think I had been talking about retirement with quite a few people a few years ago, but then COVID hit. And that was a very difficult decision that we had to make for the college to close. And we were closed for a while. And then uh, we had to make a decision to open. And then we opened and things had changed so dramatically. Um, The way we delivered instruction, um, we had turnover of employees. It was a time when a lot of people were leaving, going to other jobs. And so I thought, well, let me just get us through this next period and making sure that everything was in place uh, uh, post-pandemic. So uh, just thought it was just the right time in terms of my career. I'd been president for the last uh, 10 years and had been at MATC for 35 years. I had a career before that as well, worked at UW-Milwaukee. And uh, my husband had been retired for eight years and it was just time, it was time to retire.
2: How has MATC changed because of the pandemic?
3: Well, I think probably the biggest thing is that we have learned how to pivot quickly. Um, We are a lot more agile. Um, we were able to change more effectively and quickly. So we had to, if you can imagine, faculty had to learn, and so did students, um, how to deliver instruction in a very different way, uh, much of it virtual. Uh, We learned that um, we had a digital divide with our students, that they didn't have access. Um, nor did they have the right equipment, the laptops, the Chromebooks, and so we needed to provide all of that. Um, luckily, we had enough uh, federal aid that we could help our students to, to get that equipment and to get a hotspot so that they could um, have the instruction delivered to them. And then our faculty had to learn how to actually deliver that instruction. Um, so we, we learned how to continue uh, to educate our students in probably the most difficult time in the history of our institution, and of course, we're the whole world experiencing the same sort of um, pandemic.
2: So, college enrollment dropped at MATC as it did at most um, colleges and universities during the pandemic. It was at about 31,000 in 2019, dropped to 25,000 the first year of the pandemic, and now it's back up to about 29,000. So, how are you feeling about enrollment challenges at the moment?
3: Right. I think that um, we recognize that um, many colleges are starting to realize uh, more and um, more students coming back to college, Um, they're working like 90% of our students work and most of them have families. And so they are coming back, and we're starting to see it slowly increase each year. Uh, This year compared to last year, we're up 3% in terms of our FTEs. We're almost to our budgeted goal. And um, we're up 6% of headcount. We're seeing uh, great growth in our community education courses. We're seeing um, an increase of about 6 to 7% uh, in retention of students. So students who've been here, they're coming back. So they're realizing that this is, this is a good uh, path for them to stay on track with school, finish it up. So um, I'm hopeful that uh, the strategies that we've deployed, um, looking at um, really helping more high school students get college credits, and at the same time looking at more adults who are working and finding ways for them to either take courses online or to come in person and take courses.
2: Mm-hmm. So what are you most proud of during your 10 years as president?
3: Oh, there's, there's so much. Um, but probably um, a lot of our scholarship uh, programs for students because access is really important to me. Um, I've been always trying to find ways to make it um, easier for students to come to school, but also to have college costs covered. Uh, We started our Promise Program. We were the first in the state to do so, and that was really about access and making it affordable for students to start.
2: So that's a program that uh, promises free tuition to students that meet certain criteria. And actually, the students who qualify might have already had their tuition covered by federal aid and state aid, but it's really that message of you can get free tuition here that helps draw students in.
3: Right. That's how it, that's how it started. And then we expanded it to uh, our Promise Program for Adults. And those are students who had some college but did not complete. And those students have used up a lot of their financial aid. So for mm-hmm. those students, we have covered most of the tuition for for those students, and mm-hmm. I'm happy to say that um, many students come back. And some of the programs that are really popular with that particular group is uh, like nursing, uh, areas of business management. So I mean, we're happy that we have those students coming back, and we're we're happy to have had um, a good fundraising around being able to pay for that tuition. Just recently, uh, we've had the uh, Joe and Ellen Shakota Scholarship, which has been remarkable, and that it is a full ride scholarship. Um, So we're pretty happy that we've helped about over 700 students already, Uh, 200 have completed. Um, So that's a really great program as well, and that covers the short-term diploma programs that we have, so um, the programs that are about a year or less, and those are very high-demand programs. We want to make sure that students finish up those programs more quickly and get out into the workforce and are able to earn a family-sustaining wage. So I think uh, the scholarship piece is really what I, I feel very proud of.
2: So um, you were talking about scholarships and improving access for students. Most MATC students um, or many MATC students are low income and it's a majority minority school. Um, So that that mission is really clear. There has been criticism, though, from the faculty-run emergency aid program called the FAST Fund that MATC could do more to help students succeed. They recently drew attention to scholarship recipients not being able to access their scholarship money because they had past due balances to the school. So what is MATC doing to clear red tape for students who might get caught up in some of these barriers to achieving a degree?
3: Right. So um, we have started a number of student debt relief programs. Uh, The first one was called um, our Restart Program. Uh, Then we also um, had um, Herf dollars uh, from the government during the COVID time that we um, reduced a lot of debt for students. And then we also did just recently another um, initiative called ReConnect, and we reached out to students with debt as well. And so what we're trying to do is reduce the amount of debt as much as possible um, and pay off that for students so that they can continue their education. In terms of any red tape, um, we have um, now a quick turnaround for emergency grants. Um, It's within 24 to 48 hours that that when the student applies. Um, The other piece is that um, If a student comes to us or they go to the FAST Fund, we we help um, and work with each other to make sure that the students' needs are covered as best as we can.
4: Mm
2: -hmm. I think talking about red tape, um, there was a story of a student who received a scholarship um, and they didn't qualify for, I think it was the restart program because their past due balance was within the last year. What are the challenges to opening up these programs to more students?
3: well, it's it's always funds, right? it's It's trying to find funds to pay for what they have owed, right? Uh, for um, their tuition. so um we we have awarded um over a million dollars in emergency grants um, to about two thousand four hundred and seventy students. So, They've gotten a lot of this, and we have actually changed our restart program. We heard that there were issues, and we said, let's move it up to a year. What we didn't want to do is we didn't want students to say, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to drop out, not pay, wait, and then go right back in and get everything paid off. So we didn't want that. We want students to stay in school and continue, and we didn't want to incentivize them to drop out early so that they could get debt repaid. So, um, But we said, you know what, I think there's a way around this. And if we look at a year uh, instead of two years, um, I think we're going to be okay. So we just started that. We just changed that particular um, criteria. And now we're looking at it to make sure that we don't see the effect that we were concerned about.
2: I want to talk about um, another challenge, which is the MATC's graduation rate, the most recent year um, available that um, I could find was uh, 18% graduation rate in fall 2021. For a tech school, is graduation rate like the one of the metrics that you're really striving towards? And how is MATC trying to improve graduation rates for students?
3: Yeah, so uh, graduation rate um, and for certain programs is like extremely important, especially healthcare programs. And um, I would say for healthcare programs, it's probably higher. But when you look overall, we also have the transfer program where we have quite a few of our students, and they may want to leave earlier. Um, so they may not want to finish. They may want to transfer um, earlier. So that's, that's an issue. Um, our short-term programs, the Shikoda, uh what, scholarship that we talked about earlier, we're finding that has a really high graduation rate, completion rate. The full-ride re- scholarship. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. and so what we're finding out is that resources really do matter. Yeah. Uh, that does make a difference in retention of students. It's a retention rate much higher than for our normal part-time students. So I think what we've learned is that the more resources that we can bring to all of the needs that the students have, the better off they're going to be. And, and they don't and what the students have told us is I don't need to worry about my car breaking down or not having transportation or childcare or my books or the equipment I need or whatever everything is provide food. Uh, food is huge for our students and um, we've been able to provide and I think in one semester we gave away um, over a hundred thousand dollars just in food for Shakota and those things really did make a difference Um, so those sorts of support systems do make a difference if we do help students with all of the needs that they have while they're trying to go to school and they usually have a family at the same time Uh, and they're usually working too. When you asked about graduation, um, we are improving our graduation rate. Um, It's really about looking at each semester, making sure that students complete that semester and that they enroll in the next semester. And I said before, we're coming up in that number. So those strategies that we're deploying around making sure students see the pathway of where they're going next, giving them the support of advising. We now have uh, retention coaches as well who will call them and say, hey, what's going on? Uh, how can I, What can I do to help support you? And whether it's more advising, mental health care, whether it's food uh, insecurity. We have um, food pantries at each of our campuses, whether it's... Um, in, more help with transportation or any other needs that they have that are preventing them from completing, we seem to be uh, a lot better with our new model with Guided Pathways on making sure that the student experience is much better and that we are focused in on what is going on with the student to make sure that they can complete. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not where we want it to be, but we have so many, when you have 92% part-time students, it takes a really long time to complete. And that's why these programs where we can, they can take more credits in a shorter period of time, the likelihood of them completing in a shorter period of time that's measured is what happens. If you're going part-time, you're taking a two-year program, it could take you 10 years possibly. Mm-hmm. So that's why we encourage students to take as many credits as you can as often as you can so you can finish up and complete. Anything
2: else that you want to add?
3: Um, no, um, I, I think that uh, just that, uh, I think uh, my retirement, I'm, I'm really happy with with my career at METC. It's a wonderful place. Um, I I know that we really make a difference in the lives of our students, and um, I know that uh, we're in a great place right now, and I know that our board will do a great job in bringing in a new leader for our institution to continue the good work.
0: Vicki Martin is the outgoing
3: president of
0: Milwaukee Area Technical College. She spoke with WUWM's Emily Files about her upcoming retirement at the end of this school year. And did you know you can listen to Lake Effect as a podcast? Search for Lake Effect wherever you get your podcasts to download and listen on demand. You can also follow WUWM on Instagram. We'll find videos and pictures from news stories and Lake Effect interviews. Coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll hear some new local music in this month's Milwaukee Music Roundup, including tunes from Social Sig and Reina. But first, if you're looking for a way to get out and see the fall colors and have a haunting experience, you'll want to stick around. We're exploring Milwaukee's haunted parks and cemeteries next on Lake Effect on 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. Down your spine. You're listening to Lake Effect on 89.7 WUWM. I'm Joy Powers. It's nearly Halloween, and all month long, people have been celebrating this spooky season and enjoying the fall colors. Our next guest has some great ideas on how you can do both at the same time. Anna Arnoy is the founder of Gothic Milwaukee and the author of many books about the spooky side of the city. She joins Lake Effect's Audrey Nowakowski to share her favorite haunted parks and cemeteries in Milwaukee.
5: One thing I'm just wondering off the bat is do outdoor places tend to be less or more haunted than what people typically think of when they are looking for places for spooky tales like indoor places or houses or old
1: buildings? Right. Well, I think that we think of a haunted house, but ghosts have existed as long as people have, and there haven't been houses for as long as people have. So pretty much anywhere people have been, they've left an imprint and there can be ghosts.
5: There's a common theme in your list of haunted locations, parks and cemeteries. So why is that in general? I imagine, of course, these are places a lot of people frequent and cemeteries a lot of people frequent just in a different way, both living and dead.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's exactly it. The, uh, a ghost story starts because people have experiences in an area. And the more people who are in an area, the higher the chances that people are going to have these repeated experiences, share them, and pass them down through the generations, which makes it a really fun part of local Milwaukee history.
5: Definitely. So let's get into some of these. We'll start with Lake Park. What is spooky or haunted about there?
1: Well, Lake Park to me is completely fascinating because there are these persistently sinister stories. But if you look at the history of the park itself, nothing has happened there that you can really trace these things to until you go back to the formation of the park. So the stories are all about the Lion Bridge. And people talk about walking across the Lion Bridge, even on a sultry summer day and feeling cold spots. They also talk about hearing the sinister laughter of children as they cross the bridge, which is very unnerving. And some people have even claimed to see apparitions of bands of children at the mouth of the bridge, almost guarding the area. But there's never been any tragedy with children in the park. Some people believe that the source of these stories is the very land that Lake Park is built on because your listeners probably know that at one time that was a place for Native people to have rituals and do other sacred practices. And the, build, the park had a number of effigies that were destroyed in the creation of the park. There is one that remains So this is a particularly fun place to go if you have a mixed group. And what I call a mixed group is some people who like to keep it spooky and some people who don't. You get the spookiness for the people with the bridge and you get the great history because you can actually see one of these native effigies as they were originally done because there is a protected one there. So it's a win-win for everyone, Lake Park.
5: So we're going to continue the park theme here, but we're going to go south now. So Grant Park, what lies there?
1: Grant Park is probably the park I'm asked the most about. And I partially think that is because of the misunderstanding of the motto that is written uh, over the entrance of the bridge. So the, what is carved in the wood is enter these wild woods and view the haunts of nature. And I think that people have interpreted that to mean it's haunted, but that was not the intention of the the phrase that's carved there. However, there have been a number of really interesting stories that come out of the park anyway. And this is another story that contains a mysterious bridge. Now people talk, about seeing a misty apparition as they walk over that bridge, either coming up from the side or suddenly appearing next to them as they cross that ravine on the bridge. Terrifying. But I think what's even scarier is what people have reported seeing on the trails or maybe not seeing so much as experiencing People have claimed to see a glowing apparition of a woman who's clad all in white. And they claim to see also children that had drowned generations ago, rising from the lake. But I think the thing that would frighten me the most if I experienced it is the ghostly screams that sometimes come from the depth of those woods at night. And that feeling of people say that they're of being chased, that they can actually hear the breath of someone chasing them, and then it passes them right by. And I don't know that I could handle that experience, especially as a solo walker at night, I would be very concerned.
5: Yeah, especially when our, our brains are certainly heightened if we're walking alone anywhere. Um, and are these, most of these incidents are occurring either at like dusk or nighttime, any daytime things in Whitnell or Grant rather?
1: Well, I think that there's always an opportunity for a, an apparition to make itself seen to. you. I think it's a lot less likely when it's very busy. But when you find those those quiet spots and you connect, you never know what's going to happen.
5: And right near Grand Park is Whitnall Park. Um, So what kind of things are happening there?
1: So Whitnall Park has its own uh, gauzy white lady roaming its grounds. And she is a little different because she appears to be a mother in distress. So people claim that they see a footless, gauzy white apparition of a young woman kind of by the pond area near the waterfall and they claim that when she catches sight of them it looks like she's going to approach them but she is interrupted by the sounds of a ghostly baby crying and she disappears into the woods to go after her child no one knows who she is or what the story is with that but that has been passed down for generations of excited ghost seekers And I can only imagine the crowds and crowds of late night drives by that area, hoping to see this misty woman.
5: Well, park drives are certainly one of the ways that people can be exposed to this. (laughs) (laughs) And you mentioned, you know, all of these are retold stories, perhaps over generations, popular reoccurrences. How do you come across these urban legends?
1: Well, I keep my ears and eyes open. I really love this type of story because I think not only is it, you know, charming and wonderful, but it really gives you a chance to get to know your city in a better way. So, fortunately for me, when people have. Uh, an experience they don't normally keep it to themselves and we can go back into our newspapers and they cover accounts of this i'm still delighted to find that there was an account of a séance in Blatz's old office building in 1990, in the Milwaukee Journal. This is the kind of thing that I delight in. And so people record these experiences, they share these experiences, they tell them at campfires, and they all make their way towards me.
5: Now we're going to go from uh, Parks for the Living to, I suppose, Parks for the Dead now, for the Living to visit. Uh, Calvary Cemetery is also on your list of spooky outdoor places to go.
1: Well, Cavalry gets on the list, um, not because of a ghostly tale that I shared, but just because of something that I find extremely fascinating. And that is that it is the final resting place of one of the priests who was involved in the exorcism that eventually became the movie, The Exorcist. And I find that super fascinating. Who knew that we had this mystical occult like connection to this? Legendary movie. It's kind of unfortunate that this man who was an incredibly accomplished man, uh, a professor, a really respected educator, a war veteran. I mean, by all accounts, he was a really exceptional human. But at, at the end of the day, that big event in his early life really kind of defines how he's remembered. And I guess I am not helping that by retelling this story, but but it is a fascinating story. So he was recruited into this group because he was a young priest and he was a strapping strong guy and they really needed his physical brawn to hold this subject down while these rights were being given. And so that is how he becomes part of this legendary story. And to his dying day, he never really weighs in on whether or not he believes that there was a fight between good and evil in those rooms in the 1940s, which is when this, this exorcism happened. And what's his name? What headstone can people look for? Well, people can go to the Jesuit section and they can look for Father P. Walter H. Halloran.
5: Very intriguing.
1: I thought so too. It just fascinates me. And also taught at Marquette. So all you golden eagles.
5: Yeah, lots of local connections here. (laughs) Yeah. And another cemetery we're going to jump to now is Forest Home, this big, expansive, historical cemetery. I imagine there's lots of stories or things to choose from with this place.
1: Well... The Forest Home Cemetery is a true gem in Milwaukee, and it is really the who's who of anyone who was anyone for most of our history. It's a great place. But if you want to have an unusual experience, you want to go away from the history makers. And go to the newer parts of the cemetery, interestingly enough. And they say that these experiences happen in sections 62 and 64 of the cemetery. So that's where the newer graves are. And people who are sensitive report having a real reaction in this area. They talk about having terrible headaches, the feeling of acute fearfulness a panic almost while they're there. And this feeling lasts long after they leave the area, but once they leave, it eventually goes away, comes on quite suddenly, no real explanation for it. There have been some people who've whose uh, adverse reaction to the area has even included some disturbing images, all very unexplained.
5: That's interesting that these occurrences, you know, for me as someone who's not too familiar with uh, ghost hunting or things like that, that it's not just seeing an object or an apparition, but it's just a physical feeling that someone can get.
1: Right. Uh, That overwhelming sense of dread seems to be uh, a a common feeling, uh, a sense of panic, a feverishness, and uh, those cold spots are legendary. So people feeling those differences of temperature, when in the presence of something supernatural.
5: Well, all very spooky and intriguing tales indeed. So Anna Lardnoy, thanks very much. Thank you and have
1: a spectacular October.
0: Anna Lardnoy is the founder of Gothic Milwaukee and Walking Milwaukee. And she spoke with Lake Effect's Audrey Nowakowski in 2020 at wuwm.com. You can find more of our conversations with Lauren Noy about the spooky side of Milwaukee, including the tale of the Fister Ghost and an exploration of the city's haunted shipwrecks. And we want to hear your story ideas for Lake Effect. If you have an idea for an interview or conversation that you'd like to hear on the show, give our community connection line a call. The number is 414-251-8970. You can also submit your ideas at ww.m.com slash lake effect. Coming up, we'll hear some new songs from local musicians in this month's Milwaukee Music Roundup. That's next on Lake Effect on 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR. This is Lake Effect on 89.7 WUWN. I'm Joy Powers. October has been a busy time in Milwaukee. Although summer may have come to an end, there have still been a lot of festivals and shows in the city, and local musicians have continued to produce some great new songs. As always, Matt Wilde has been listening. Wilde is the co-founder of Milwaukee Record. And every month, he creates a list of some of the best new releases from local musicians, called the Milwaukee Music Roundup. He joins me now to share a few of those songs. Matt Wild, thank you so much for being here on Lake Effect.
6: Thank you for having me, and thank you for having me in the studio. It's always great to be here (laughs) in person.
0: For sure. Now, uh, we're going to start off our list this month, uh, which is a song song that I think is maybe aptly named. It's an easy, poppy song, which the title kind of suggests.
6: Absolutely. This is one of the latest songs from Reina, the great Reina, that uh, sisters Vic and Gab, uh, previously known as Vic and Gab, uh, years ago, and they changed their name to Reina, I believe, about 2016, And they have a new EP out. It is called Limonada. And uh, kind of the theme of the EP is When Life Hands You Lemons You Make Lemonade. And their previous EP that they released last year it was called You Could At Least Say Goodbye. That was a, a real kind of breakup record. And this new one, Limonada, is very much about new love and finding new love. Another thing that's kind of uh, notable about this record, like I said, Reyna has been around for a long, long time and uh, had some kind of like major label ties in the last, uh, I don't know, five, six years. They are now kind of free from those major label ties and excited about it. Uh, They are kind of releasing music on their own terms once again. And that's kind of great. Uh, The past few years have seen them really put out these really kind of glitzy, big kind of pop bangers uh, that have been fantastic. But this latest EP, it feels a little more intimate to me. It feels a little more that they're making it kind of on their own terms. And it's uh, the theme kind of, you know, is there too. It's a very kind of domestic album. It's about, you know, staying in at night and snuggling up and watching Netflix and that sort of thing. And Breakfast in Bed, it's, like I said, a very intimate, very lovely uh, record. I think it's one of their best. And uh, the song we're going to be listening to is Serotonin. And like you said, yeah, it is a very dreamy, very kind of easy poppy song kind of borrows the hook from uh, the Everly Brothers, Dream a Little Dream. So it's got that dreaminess kind of just built right in. I think it's a fantastic new song from Raina and it is called Serotonin.
0: Tonin by Raina. Uh, the next song we're looking at, it, it I, I wrote this down. It, it feels a little bit like elevator music, mixed with that <laughs> music that you hear behind a '90s job training video. But when I say mixed, I mean like they were layered on top of each other, and then like nobody stirred the
6: soup. I cannot top that. I don't know. Just <laughs> I, I have to leave now. That is the perfect explanation for this song it is a song from uh the milwaukee band bunk bed and the name of the song is bum now uh bunk bed is a uh, kind of a three-piece uh kind of math rocky indie rocky band that kind of rose from the ashes of a short-lived band called weird storm they released uh last year a uh, two-song ep it was called top bunk bottom bunk This is one of the songs uh, from that EP. Like I said, it was released uh, last November, November 2022, but they just released a video for this song, Bum. Not only is it a great song, the video itself is really, really funny and really, really well done. I would suggest checking it out. It's basically uh, their singer kind of playing the part as a roommate who is just kind of laying around the house, not getting a job. Sitting around in his pajamas all day, eating cereal and playing, you know, Nintendo Wii, that sort of thing. It's a really funny video, and I really, I just, I, I, I like uh, this uh, record a lot. Uh, really looking forward to hearing more from Bunk Bed, and uh, like I said, I can't top the uh, definition of the uh, elevator music, <laughs> <laughs> uh, unstirred elevator music. I love it. So this is uh, Bum from Milwaukee Zone, Bunk Bed. Yeah.
4: lights, it's time to
0: Bum by Bunk Bed. The next song, I I think we definitely talked about this band, Social Caterpillar. Uh, And uh, maybe this is apt given the name of the band, but this song really goes through uh, different phases. It's a little laid back at points. It becomes more intense at others. And there's some really interesting layers of um, some other sounds inside of the music.
6: Absolutely. Uh, Social Caterpillar, a very dynamic kind of post-rock, chamber rock type band. And you're right, there's pretty much every song that they put out. Goes through all these different iterations and all these different phases and social caterpillar they've been around for oh, maybe six seven years or so and they have a new record out now it's called alphabet crown and uh, it is lovely and uh, it is kind of a very heavy kind of record heavy not so much loud and aggressive but a heavy record that you really kind of need to sit down put some headphones on and really absorb And uh, the song we're going to be listening to is called Motorcycle Number Four. Now, they, uh, I think, stretching back to some of their earliest records, they've had songs about motorcycles motorcycle number one, number two. uh, This record has number four and five. And uh, to kind of just give you an idea of uh, this band, they kind of have a description in one of their earlier records about the whole motorcycle theme. And they say motorcycle describes neither a material commodity one could purchase nor steal. Instead, motorcycle refers to an ungovernable groove one rides through the history of an inescapable bad thought, a thought eventually reconciled by accepting the great nothing that underpins our existence. Like I said... Heavy stuff. Not, uh, not so uh, loud, but uh, definitely something to ponder uh, late at night. And I should say, too, I recently saw them live at the Cactus Club. Fantastic uh, live shows from uh, Social Caterpillar. So this is the newest from Social Caterpillar from their new record, Alphabet Crown. The song is Motorcycle Number 4.
0: Motorcycle number four by Social Caterpillar. Uh, The final song we're going to look at, also a social group, social sig, I should say. Uh, And we've definitely talked about uh, this artist before. I I feel like in that time, they've become a bit of a staple in the Milwaukee music
6: scene. It's really interesting talking to a lot of younger bands over the past few years that uh, there was just this great burst of energy coming out of the pandemic. A lot of young bands who were maybe like, you know, only 18, 19, 20 years old when the pandemic hit Suddenly, you know, wanted to start bands and wanted to see bands, and they couldn't in those early days of the pandemic. So kind of coming out of it, there's been just this huge rush of excitement and enthusiasm. And Social Sig has kind of been at the forefront of that excitement in the local scene. Social Sig is a uh, kind of indie, uh, self-described skate rock project of Parker Schultz. And he's put out... Uh, Maybe three or four records already, kind of dating back to the early days of the pandemic. His latest uh, last year was called Cheesehead, and he just put out a new single. It is called Wonderin'. It's very indicative of Social Sig's sound. It is uh, very sunny, very head boppy, uh, just kind of really solid, very fun indie rock music. It's uh, it's interesting uh, seeing uh, Parker and Social Sig kind of, like I said, kind of at the forefront of this uh, new resurgence of Milwaukee music. And, yeah, like you said, has become a staple of Milwaukee music. And anytime uh, Social Sig plays a show, it's almost guaranteed to be a sellout if it's, uh, you know, at the Cactus Club or even if it's at some place like Turner Hall. Uh, these local bands, including Social Sig and other bands like uh, Ratbath and uh, others, have been just selling out local shows. Uh, it's a lot of excitement around these groups. So, like I said, this is the latest from Social Sig. It is called Wonderin'.
0: Wondering by Social Sig. Of course, we are getting into uh, November now. Uh, (laughs) It's funny, this time of year, I feel like there's so much that ends up on our personal calendars. But when it comes to like going out to shows and and, and doing uh, the kinds of Festival type things that we're so used to in the summer and even into the fall, a lot of that starts to die down. Uh, but what are you looking forward to as we get into November?
6: I'm looking forward to November ending and it magically becoming April at some point. Um, <laughs> you're right. Uh, things have been kind of quieting down. October was certainly busy. Uh, Milwaukee has, in the last few years, really. Uh, Gone kind of crazy with uh, the fall festivals. I think there was one weekend, there were about six festivals happening the same weekend this past October. So honestly, I think I am looking forward to things slowing down a bit into uh, November and into December, into the holiday season. And uh, I don't know, uh, it's, it's maybe a little too early to be thinking about it, but uh, kind of looking forward to looking back on the year that was in Milwaukee music. And that's always fun that we, you know, kind of in December do our favorite Milwaukee releases of the year. That's always fun looking back. And uh, it's, it never, I'm never, uh, you know, never fails to amaze me just how much great stuff has been released throughout the year. So kind of looking forward to looking back.
0: All right. Well, Matt Wilde, thank you so much for joining us here on Lake Effect.
6: Thank you for having me.
0: Matt Wilde is the co-founder of Milwaukee Record. Every month he publishes his Milwaukee Music Roundup, and he shares a few of those songs with us. You can find our previous conversations at wuwm.com. We just heard a bit of Reina's new song, Serotonin, in the Milwaukee Music Roundup. The sister duo also joined us for our Live at Lake Effect series, where local and nationally touring musicians perform at the Lake Effect Surf Shop in Shorewood. Here's a song from that set, called 2AM Serenade.
4: And look I a window seat to see you, babe Cause I miss you all Freakin' late I'm outside your window 2am late Mariachi singing thanks Daniel I know you said we need some time to think But girl, without you I'm dying. Can I please come back? Come back We don't need to talk about anything I'll forget you constantly And all the serious stuff to me Cause I go all day and die I miss you day and night And I just can't do it anymore And you never said goodbye And I'm stuck wondering why And I just can't do it anymore And I got a window seat to see you, babe Cause I miss you all freaking Outside your window to me and Sarah Managachi singing extraño I took my sister to that ice cream place you showed me Vanilla, cinnamon, and cherry. But I just tasted you, baby. Please come back. We drove down your street I swear it almost killed me Cause it used to be you and me like a still singing Bad ah. Cause I I go all day and day I, I miss you day and night And I just can't do it anymore And you you never said goodbye and i'm stuck wondering why and i just can't do it anymore and i all a window seat to see you babe cause i miss you all freaking bad
0: That was Reina performing 2AM Serenade at the Lake Effect Surf Shop in Shorewood. The song was recorded and engineered by WUWM's Jason Reavy. You can check out a video of Raina's full performance by Visionary Studios, as well as listen to their interview with Lake Effect's Audrey Nowakowski and Trapper Shep for live at Lake Effect at WUWM.com. And that wraps up today's show. Thank you so much for being here with us. I'm Joy Powers. If you missed any of today's conversations, or if you'd like to take Lake Effect on the go, download our podcast. Search for Lake Effect wherever you get your podcasts to listen to all of our shows on demand. Tomorrow on Lake Effect, we'll look at new research into a disease ravaging Wisconsin's bad population. Plus, we'll learn about zombie trees, undead and often unnoticed trees that could mean disaster if they're not caught in time. That's all tomorrow at noon, right here on Lake Effect on listener-supported 89.7 WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR.